Hey everyone, it's Aaron. You're about to hear a great episode with our friends Kurt and Chris from Parents Just Don't Understand. But before that, I wanted to take a moment to plug the fact that for the month of December, we're going to be donating all of our Patreon funds to the DonorBox Project to protect Pasadena tenants. This is an important campaign to win rent control in Pasadena, where rents are rising faster than anywhere else in Los Angeles County, particularly as families are hit with rent hikes just as we move into the holiday season. Pasadena has a credible rent control campaign underway right now, and the more cities we win rent control in, the easier it is to combat bad faith arguments about the chaos it will supposedly cause. So as always, please consider becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com slash hitfactorypod to support the cause and get access to exclusive bi-weekly episodes and bonus content. Thanks so much for supporting. The bad guy, uh, the bad guy vehicles are well chosen. Um, I'll say, I'll say, <laughs> yes, in, in a, they're good in a, bad guy cards. Yes, yeah, exactly. In, in, in a film like this, a big part of it is giving the bad guys the right, the right vehicles, and you see that in a film like Mad Max. You see that in any kind of driving based film, um, and they give them a a dirty, lifted pickup truck, but not not like a huge, not like an F one fifty. It's like it, it's like yeah. it, it's it's like a sporty pickup truck. Um, yeah. it's, it's like the like sort like the Toyota size pickups, yeah, but it was yeah. a, it was definitely a General Motors car, but it was that same sort of yes. like mid mid. And then and then of course the 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 evil semi is like a classic <laughs> of the genre, <laughs> and it's big yes. and imposing, yeah. and it's got like the black cab. It's 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 they're they're definitely iconic vehicles, and also the Jeep, you know the the red Jeep, classic classic good guy vehicle. Yeah. Um, although, although it, it kind of goes out ignobly, uh, although, although it does, does decent double duty as a boat for a little while. Um, it does. Things it really put does. In work. It, it stays afloat much longer than you anticipated. I was almost wondering if he was going to like drive out. Keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. <laughs> if it had a snorkel, if it had the, yeah, the right, additional right. attachments that's to right. keep water yes. out of the engine, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it would have been just fine. But that's, uh. That's that's an he extra. He skimped. They said that he got all the packages, but he skimped. He skimped. No, he could have. He skimped. He wasn't planning on going mudding like yeah. you say around my, where I grew up. <laughs> going mudding. Going mudding. Going mudding. Up up north, they would ask if you're just out for a rip. Uh, I believe is the the phrasing there. <laughs> wow. You want to go out on kind of a, a dirty off road ride. Go out for a rip. Going out for a rip. That's the Canadian saying. Go mudding. Go mudding. Go mudding. Yeah. What's up, everybody? We're back. It's Hit Factory. My name is Aaron. My name is Carly. And wow! To- oh my God, that was so depressing. <laughs> we'll try it again. <laughs> <laughs> you have to leave that in. Now. That was terrific. Keep going. Don't. And uh, today we are are delighted to welcome back to the show Chris Woodward and Kurt Schiller of the fantastic Parents Just Don't Understand podcast. Boys, welcome back to the Hit Factory. Thanks for having Thank us back. Thank you very much. And I will say we are also kind of now of Podside Picnic, uh, which I oh, believe yeah. you've had. I believe you've had Carlo mm-hmm. on. I believe. 
I believe we have had Carlo and Pete on. Yes. Carlo was on not the, not too the long Adams ago. Just, that's, right. that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's yes. right. Yes, basking okay. in the, the glory of Raul Julia. <laughs> yes. That's right. Uh, so we are we never get enough of that bask. So I don't know if we are co-hosts of that, but we are we are at least um, uh, uh, podcasters in residence. I think okay. it's it's fair at, to say at, adjunct podcasters, <laughs> yeah. adjunct hosts, <laughs> yeah. Podside yeah. Picnic. Yep. <laughs> well, you guys have. Yeah, I was gonna. I was mentioning to Carly. I was like, man, Kurt's been on Podside like. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> I I just show up on podcasts and I do like an okay job. <laughs> it's my goal. It's like it's like I'll, I'll show up. I'll talk as as much as they need me to talk. Um. So like, there's definitely been podcasts that I've been on where I'm like, I'm just gonna talk the entire time. That seems to be what is required of me, and I'm I'm happy to do that. It is both it is both my power and my curse. Um, so. I think it's a really good strategy, and the 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 pod side and parents like mashup really works. I'm enjoying it. We yeah. we love those guys. Really well. We've been friends with those guys for a while. They're they're terrific. But thanks yeah, for having yeah. us back, and thanks for having yes. us watch a great film that yes. I have never heard of or seen or anything. It feels like one of those things where um, watching this was like. Uh, being teleported back to um, TNT at 1 a.m. <laughs> circa 2005. Yes. That I was like That's visiting exactly my parents and, yeah. you know, on break from college for, you know, mm-hmm. a couple weeks. And I, I'm like, what's on at 1 a.m.? I'm, I'm in my childhood home drinking a beer and let's see what's on TNT. Yes. And that was this film. Uh, and it was fucking great. God damn. Um, the, the film in question is Breakdown from 1997, the debut feature of one Jonathan Mostow starring Kurt Russell, Kathleen Quinlan, and the great J.T. Walsh. MC Ganey's here, Jack Noseworthy as well. A lot of fun character actors in this one. Um, but I, you know, when you said that, Kurt, I was thinking one of the movies that I have had a similar experience with where it's like, I'm going to put it on. It's on cable. It's late. I'll probably fall asleep to this. And then was just like so transfixed for like two hours of its runtime was uh, John Dahl's Joyride from 2001. Yes. Another great like kind of exploitation, like violent trucker kind of movie where I was like, this movie has is way better than it has any right to be. And at the time, I didn't know John Dahl. You know, I didn't know Red Rock West or uh, Last Seduction or anything like that. So I wasn't expecting much because also Paul Walker's in it, you know, Uh, but it's great and it goes. And this movie had a a very similar vibe to that. Mm -hmm. We should give credit where credit is due. This was Chris Woodward's suggestion. It was. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Man, it's a doozy. You're two minutes in and you're already like, I was peeling my skin off of my face. <laughs> yeah, Chris and but, but and Kurt Kurt Russell is so. It this feels like it should have come out about a decade before it did. In that he is mm-hmm. very much playing the early '90s businessman husband character. Yes. I, I the 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 film I kept thinking about while watching this was uh, the game with uh, Michael Douglas. I I think Michael Douglas, right? Yes, Michael yep. Douglas. Yeah, um, be, funny you should say that. Oh yeah. Uh, yes, because John Mostow actually was one of the original developers of the story for the game. Oh. It was a movie that he was going to direct as his debut feature. Gotcha. Uh, that eventually was, I, I think, re kind of storied and reconstructed, rewritten several times, and then went to David Fincher eventually in '97. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but this movie is sort of according to Mostow his like response to that film like uh, it kind of beautiful. mirrors it in a lot of ways that's beautiful wow. and I, I and and the the thing that made me think that is it is the shitty the, the shitty business husband like mm-hmm. kurt russell's character uniquely and and different from what you would get in this film nowadays i think it, kind of a fucking asshole like mm-hmm. like unnecessary oh, like like okay later on you discover that there was never any way that he was getting out of his 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 encounter like untroubled, but this could have just been a straightforward exploitation film where it's like you know like uh, Pumpkinhead style where it's like they bring the shit on themselves <laughs> by being assholes, and the, uh, honestly the Hicks would be fully justified in fucking with him because he's a he's a <laughs> fucking asshole. He's not looking where he's going while he's driving. He's bragging. He's kind of like low key bragging about his new car. When, when the guy's like, you almost killed us. You almost ran us off the road. He's like, well, gee, I'm sorry. What do you want well, from see, me? It, he, he, importantly, he doesn't even say, like, I'm sorry that I did that or anything like that. It's just like, <laughs> I'm, sorry I'm, sorry it it, I'm sorry it happened. I'm sorry it happened. Which is like happened. total displacement. Like, that's, right. yeah. yeah. And I'm he's, not sorry he, for what I did. I'm sorry for how what I did made you upset. feel. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry if me almost hitting you offended you, if, if it caused harm <laughs> and offense. Um, yeah. yeah and, and it's like, it, and, and it turns out that, you know, th- these, like, it's, they're not, they're not innocent, angry rednecks. They're, they're actually like pieces of shit, you know, but, but at the same yeah. time, like a, a, in the early part of it, it establishes that, that again, it means an early nineties tone of like, what if husbands are bad? <laughs> like, like yeah. what if business husbands are bad and, and what if shitty? yuppie husbands are bad? Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. he, along with, uh, along with Michael Douglas in the game, I got, the one vibe that I got, and maybe just because I feel like Kurt's wearing glasses for the first part of this movie, but uh, Nolte in uh, Cape Fear and yes. Scorsese's yes. Cape Fear remake, there's this kind of vibe with these movies of these sort of like effete, kind of shitty, like very uh, the- like kind of sociopathic business husbands like you said yeah yeah and there, there's a lot yeah like you said that, that that's a big that was a big theme in the early in the 90s early 90s of like just shitty business obsessed dads like uh I, I remember watching when i was a kid uh you know hook where like peter pan peter pan like the, the embodiment of childhood yes. wonder and magic is <laughs> yes. no more than like a corporate raider lawyer yeah. who has like you know who is tied to his cell phone and he can't go to his son's baseball games and stuff like that and like so like it's so pervasive that it even just shows up in like a Peter Pan movie made by Spielberg. Like it's just everywhere. Or Scrooge. Yeah. Yeah. Scrooge. Go, yeah. Like, like the Scrooge. super extreme yep. version of it is, is like, Scrooge. Yes. but, but the other film, and this had to have been at some level, an intentional riff is uh duel. The early yes. Steven yes. Big time duel. film. Uh, and, and, yep. I, and like initially I was like, Oh, is this just going to be duel? Duel with a pickup truck or something, <laughs> and then and then when when he's like forcing the trucker off the road, I was like, oh fuck no, dude, don't do that. Didn't haven't you seen Steven Spielberg's Duel? <laughs> yeah, this movie has a bunch of of reference points, which I think is what makes it so like fascinating and magical. Like it is a very tight, you know, just brisk movie. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, it's like a ninety three minutes long, which I absolutely fucking love. By the way, yes, like mm-hmm. tight ninety. I, I know movie length discourse is probably played out at this point, but like I I, I made the point very recently. I'm like, if your movie is not going to be ninety minutes, just make your movie 
like three and a half hours and give me an overture and like an intermission in it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. give me a ton of movie or give me like a really lean, mean, like my rule breakdown. is you get 30, you get 30 minutes for every star out of a five star rating. <laughs> okay. That's, that's my, okay. that's my rule. So if you're going to do a three star movie, you get, you get 90. Um, you know, it, 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 once, once you hit like the four and five, you can get fudgy a little bit with it, but, but you know, I, I'm not going to watch a one star two hour movie. Fuck that. That's, that's not, <laughs> no. not, not even as a lark. Um, and there's a lot of movies, there's a lot of movies out there. I'll say that are asking me to watch more than two hours and not, and they're not hitting the four. So yeah. <laughs> Which is fun because I mean this movie I think is like a solid like four four and a half out of five and it and yeah. it's running at that like ninety minute pace um, and in there it throws in all of these sort of like different genre conventions and like kind of riffs on different movies it definitely has duel in there um, it's it's a lot like uh, Sluzier's uh, The Vanishing the the nineteen eighties mm-hmm. Belgian oh, film yeah. as well God creepiest um, movie which, one of the creepiest movies. It has a, that that one famously like has a, a much darker ending than this yes. one does. Yeah. Um. But I mean, it, it's Hitchcockian too, kind of. Yes. Like it's approach. Yeah. Like Hitchcock the, maybe. The, yeah. I, I was like, I could imagine this with like with like Jimmy Stewart going like that trucker's trying to chase me down off the road. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. I mean, it's it's all now of those I can things too. <laughs> and, uh, the thing that I was I think t- talking about. Chris, maybe with you, like when you initially like pitched this one as as the the topic for our conversation was like, I really want to see a movie that does a riff on Hitchcock, but that doesn't bother to like hold any sort of like fidelity to the more like aesthetic and stylistic qualities that make Hitchcock Hitchcock. Mm. Right. Because that those things sort of like if inevitably like descend into pastiche, right? Yes. And there's there's a lot of this movie that's done in sort of like a, a kind of abstract or even like subjective style mm-hmm. that like Hitchcock would have like never done. No. You know, some of some of the like the shots and the way that things are framed in this movie. For the first like 90 minutes of 90 minutes for the first like 30 minutes of this movie, there's like this like really weird kind of thing that the cinematographer is doing where he's framing all of his like medium shots just like a little too high like above the elbow but he's also like cutting off like that like top third as well like he's just like pushing in somewhere between like a comfortable medium shot and a close-up for most of this like first part of the movie like this first act and i realized how claustrophobic it was and as i was watching it last night i was like i am so perversely aware of the like the threshold and like the limits of the frame like i keep focusing on the black bars you know right. like in like the letterboxing rather than like in the actual image itself yeah and, and to, i mean to your point about it like not being slavish to being a, a hitchcock riff you know it it ends with like giant practical explosions and effects which is like you know it'd be awesome if hitchcock actually had some of that stuff in some of his (laughs) movies you you know as perfect as they are but like yeah i I mean even even to the point of like including i think there's like miniatures at one point where yes yes yeah i did notice the miniature shots yeah yeah it's Mm -hmm. this is they look so good yes they do this this is like a a really good movie movie like this is like what you want out of a movie that like is just thrilling and like just you know some of the implications of it are very terrifying and and everything is just yeah it, it's it's so it's, fantastic it's interesting in that the um too many films very narrowly fulfill their promise where it's like this is going to be a movie about 
you know, uh, an, an ex-soldier who's pushed too far. And it only fulfills that promise of being like, yep, it does all the stuff that you expect from that film. This film, past a certain point, you genuinely don't know where the fuck it's going to go. Like, yes. um, when he's in the bank, I was like, okay, I think I know where this film is going to go. I was so wrong about where the <laughs> no. film was going. And he, full, he goes full action star. It's like totally off the rails. I'm like, wow, I no longer know what's going to happen. And that's a beautiful feeling in film. And mm-hmm. it's one that you don't get enough. So I, that for, for yes. me, like two of the four stars I give this movie are because I, I lost, I, I stopped being like, I know what's going to happen. And I stopped, I started being like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but it's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And for like the first, like half of this movie, you are suspicious of everybody. Every yeah. single like, person. In, until like the, the main kind of plot, which is pretty Spartan and, and pretty kind of like, you know, explicable, like it doesn't go anywhere too adventurous, like once it's kind of revealed in terms of like what the bad guys are doing or what they want and who they are. But like for 40 minutes of the movie, you you think everybody is in on this thing. Like you you really feel the world around Kurt Russell's character just like closing in on him and that he can't trust a single person. Mm-hmm. You also kind of don't trust Kurt Russell to not be an a-hole mm-hmm. like like they really establish right. that he's not he's not like all sweetness and and niceness like he, he kind of sucks and he kind of makes things worse for himself so you don't know like is he going to do the smart thing in this scene or is he gonna do something totally stupid like like when he's in the bank and he's like and he's kind of contemplating telling the guy like he he's he's almost contemplating like robbing the bank and you're like is he going to rob the bank cuz that's a really fucking stupid idea but he <laughs> could he might plausibly do that cuz he he's kind of an yep. asshole and it seems like he's desperate also the fact that they remove the wife uh from the picture very early and just don't give any indication of where she is or what's going on is very smart because it doesn't mm-hmm. give you a like honestly i genuinely didn't know if she would be alive at the end of it nope. like mm-hmm. at a few, like, Me it's, neither. Like, it's it's we we just recorded an episode about uh Krampus with Podside Picnic and one of the things that i mentioned is um it's a film that could be or might not be killing kids and that's a big distinction for a horror film is like, is this horror film <laughs> yeah. killing children? And you're not sure. And it kind of keeps it up in the air for a little bit. Like, is this the sort of horror film that will kill children? And much the same way, this film keeps up in the air the question of like, is this a nice thriller or is it a mean thriller? And it it mm-hmm. doesn't mm-hmm. let you in until quite late on like what type of movie it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we see enough of the exasperation and kind of like volatility of Kurt Russell's character, even early on, like before, you know, he's in distress, that when they plant that seed of doubt from the cop where he's like, are you sure your wife didn't just run off on you? Yeah. You kind of believe it for a minute. You're like, I mean, maybe she did. Like, maybe this whole thing is like she's in on it. It's like she's plotting against him or she's just like trying to escape him. And we're going to find out more about him as he runs away or as, as, as the movie runs on, rather. My favorite moment, to your point, is shortly after he's speaking with the bank manager when he goes to the to the bathroom and he gets in there and he's like just dripping sweat. He's like super dirty, you know, just like wearing like tattered clothes. And he like opens up a broom closet 
and is like scanning the shelves <laughs> and we don't know what he's looking for. Like it never lets us in on what he's trying to plot. And he just goes like, fuck damn it. You know, and, and doesn't find what he's looking for. And then he like pulls the head off of a plunger and like practices swinging the yeah. plunger handle, like into his hand. And you're like, this is really like a man in distress and he's aspirated. Like I have no idea what he's planning to do. And I don't even think he knows what he's planning to do. It's like, it's such a good scene in like 60, 90 seconds where you're like, yeah, what the fuck is going on? What is going to happen? But that's what makes it believable, right? Like, I think we're used to really neat, sort of tidy propulsion in thrillers and in action thrillers in particular. And I really appreciated that this was kind of messy and that Kurt Russell's character, as we've said, wasn't like patently good or bad, right? Like, he's just, he's messy himself. And also, like, you know, we can talk about his performance later on, but that bathroom scene is a perfect little like clip out of what I think is so wonderful about his performance in this film, which is that he really does communicate desperation without being like over the top wacky about it. But just mm -hmm. like where you're like, yeah, that would be me. I would just be like opening fucking shelf doors and like, you know, kicking shit or doing whatever. Like I would not know what to do. And and I, I felt like he played a man who is obviously like smart and, you know, can sort of like think situations through, but also very driven by the emotions and the fear of the situation that would overcome anyone, even, even the most evened of hands in a situation like that. And I just thought he played that beautifully. There's a lot of stuff that you genuinely don't know if what he's doing is smart as he's doing it. So, mm. for instance, yes, up until the the moment, I, I feel like the moment that it becomes clear what is actually going on is um, when they send him uh, like uh, up to where Billy tells him that they took his wife and he gets kind of cornered in this like quarry kind of area above a river and he drives off a cliff into the river to get away from a guy from like the rednecks in their pickup truck. And at that point, the rednecks get out and start shooting their guns at him in the river. And then you're like, okay, like definitely these are the bad guys. I kind of know what the plot now is, but up until he starts shooting at him, it, it is plausible that either it was smart of him to drive off the cliff and escape by any means necessary. Cause they were going to kill him or the film could have gone back around and it's all a misunderstanding and he's just being paranoid about like people who are assholes but not murderers. Like as he's yeah. driving off the cliff into the river, I was like, is he being like smart and tactical or is he doing something really, really stupid and like panicky right now? And you genuinely don't know. Like you can guess credibly one way or another. Um, and, yeah. and that gives it like a nice, that sense of not being able to get your feet under you is, is I think a why it feels so much like the game and B is a really nice and key aspect of thrillers that you mostly only get I would argue in horror films now and less so in modern thrillers which I feel like are more straightforward like this this is almost like a blend of what would now be a, like either a horror film or a thriller I feel like right? completely um Chris Woodward you have seen this movie I think at least twice as many times as everyone else uh, Which is one. on, on so this episode. So he's seen it at least two times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, would, you, would you care to try to maybe briefly synopsize the film before we, we get ahead of ourselves here? 
Sure, I'll give it a shot. Um, so Kurt Russell and uh, his well, he, he's he's playing a uh, character named Jeff Taylor, and his wife are doing a cross country trip from uh, Boston or somewhere in Massachusetts to uh, somewhere out west. They're, they are driving along uh, a highway in, um, it looks like Southwest America, and uh, uh, Kurt Russell uh, pisses off some local uh, guys in a pickup truck um, by nearly hitting them because he wasn't paying attention to the road. Uh, and then uh, they end up getting harassed further by those guys at the gas station. They're driving, they get back on the road and the they see the the uh these those guys again in the pickup truck staring them down across up the road and then out of, out of nowhere comes a big uh 18 wheeler scares the scares the rednecks away and um all of a sudden their car breaks down hence the title breakdown and they um he they have to pull off to the side of the road and the, the truck driver gives uh wants to stop and give him help the wife ends up giving getting a ride with the big with a truck driver uh to played by jt walsh uh to the nearest town to call a tow truck and uh kurt russell wants to stay by the car because he's afraid that the the rednecks are come around and, and screw with it uh and then so he's waiting and it seems he's waiting there for hours and hours and the wife never shows back up he uh, figures out a way to fix the car he goes to the town and nobody has any clue about where his wife is never even seen never saw her never heard of her so he he um gets told by somebody who appears to be uh, a disabled uh, mentally disabled uh mechanic that uh, oh they took your wife um and uh but they're they're not i'm not gonna talk to the police or anything like that um so he goes uh back to where the where the the guy said they would be and that's where the um the uh, the pickup truck drivers from the beginning. This is a very windy plot. That I'm really oh, it, it, it is <laughs> important though. Important though. The the mechanic tells him you're going to talk to the police. The police are in on it. Don't you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Don't right. talk to the cops. Yes. Yep. Uh, and then uh, they come. The rednecks uh, are there again. And he. This is where we. The, the he drives down to the ravine like we were talking about. He ends up um, swimming away in the river. Uh, and then uh, he. Uh, is discovered by the the who we thought was a um, the mechanic uh, with a disability, but it turns out he's Mister Cool Guy with the with the center part blonde hair, and, <laughs> uh, and he's also in on it. And then it turns out that this is a big um, ex, you know kidnapping and extortion uh, you know routine that they're going through, uh, where they they see you know a big city guy um, coming through town and they want um, some whatever money. Uh, oh, and then, um, where, what's next? <laughs> it's, uh, basically they, there's kind of like battles of the wits of like him, like, you know, escaping and coming back. And then eventually they, he figures out, uh, that his wife is being held at the truck driver's house. Uh, and so he goes there and, and he, um, confronts them with a, with a gun he finds. Uh, and then there's, uh, his, uh, they, you know, there's a big fight, and then he eventually rescues his, his wife, and uh, you know, they he kills all the the bad guys, and and that's kind of the end. But there's some still some fucked up stuff that we I think we should dive into. But I, I wanted to cut to the chase there a little bit. I was just yeah, didn't want to do it you, turn by turn. You <laughs> synopsized that uh, a film that I would not have attempted to synopsize myself. 
wonderfully. So this thank is, you for This that. is why we pawn it off. We say yeah. this all the time, but it's like, <laughs> if I try to do that, it, we would still be here 20 minutes from now, you know? And, well, and there, so. there's a certain point where you're just like, okay, well, you just got to kind of go, go with the broad strokes. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, wife abducted, missing, uh, truckers, bad guy <laughs> fights back, you know, yep. like that's, yeah. that, that's really it. Excuse me, I was supposed to meet my wife here. It's a dark haired, about 5'5, five five, wearing like a, a white Benetton sweater. White what? A uh, Benetton sweater. Hey, your order's up. Look, I'm pretty busy here. People come and go. Well, this is within the last half hour. Uh, Excuse she, me. She might have been with a trucker. Truck? Yeah, a guy wearing a baseball cap, uh, driving a big 18 wheeler. Doesn't ring a bell. You sure? Hey, the man here is looking for his wife. Dark hair, got a white button-on sweater. Traveling with a guy with a baseball cap. Has anybody here seen him? Looks like she got away from you, cowboy. So we talked a little bit at the beginning about Kurt Russell's character being, you know, like a shitty 90s professional guy. Um, and I think that like it, it uh, is more um, in, you know, part of the plot than we than we realize, yeah. um, because so, so first of all, uh, you know, the, they're selected because they have a brand new top of the line car. Um, you know, he's very professional looking in like dockers and like a, you know, a pink like polo or something like that. Uh, and, uh, so like, but so there's the, there's that. And then there's also the, he's a, he's a professional, but he's, it, it, it's capturing professionals at a important, uh, time in the nineties where you don't get the job and you stay there for life and you get the pension and you're done. Like you, you, there's a, there's starting to be the beginning of, uh, professionals having to move for jobs mm. and, yeah. and uh, a little bit more precarity because, and that's highlighted because it's assumed that they have like, you know, tens of thousands in the bank. And he's like, I have less than 5,000 in my, in my bank account. So even though he has to be fair in 1997 money, that's still like 25,000. Yeah. Okay. But he's not rich. As evidenced by the fact that when they think he has $90,000, they're like, holy shit, $90,000. <laughs> Nowadays, like yeah. that guy's truck is worth $90,000. Well, yeah, yeah. completely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and then uh, to top it all off, he, you know, he's driving through this, um, you know, low, low, uh, you know, a, a, uh, a, a devastated area, uh, like economically devastated area. There's no, there's nothing um, going on and interacting with like, um, the, you know, the, the uh, other blue collar people of that era. So there's this tension between, you know, the middle class professional PMC type guys <laughs> mm-hmm. and the blue collar. And so there's also, there's that feeling of like, you know, he, he feels at once superior over them, but at the same time inferior over them because, he, you know, they they appear as if they are, you know, the real true masculine men because they got the shitty pickup truck and they got the guns and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I, I think there's there, there's there's I think this is not the only movie where. Um, you know, it, you said it. You called it exploitation, and like I think that kind of came back around because you know the those working class jobs were being decimated yeah. by 
NAFTA and things like that. Yep. So yes. there, there's a fear of uh, those kind of, you know, w- you know, those people are going to come after us next. And we're, we're the, we're the PMC we're the, you know, we're, we're in danger now. There were two moments that I really liked that drove that, that car- I, I, I think you're spot on Chris. And the, the two things that really jumped out at me are one, I love how um, one of the evil redneck kidnappers calls him out on being patronizing early on where he's like, wow, this is a nice mm-hmm. truck. And, and and he and Kurt Russell points at their kind of like shitty beat up truck. I was like, yeah, but that's what you really need out here. Right. And the guy goes, what are you talking about? Like, this is a brand new, nice truck. Why would you want my piece of shit? Why, why would you want this piece of shit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was that was great. I was like, wow. Yeah. Like he exactly calls him out on like, yeah, like that's exactly what you would say if you're like, oh, I don't I want to kind of try to compliment them, even though it's very obvious yes. that their truck is kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. Totally spot on. The other thing that, that I, I got such a good laugh at is when he's trying to describe his wife to the bartender and, he, and he's like she was wearing a white benetton sweater and the guy goes oh a, yes a, a what a, a sweater he goes it's it's a, it was a benetton sweater and then and then and then he, he even says she was wearing a, a button-up sweater and it cuts back to kurt russell and he's kind of making his face like eh, he kind of he kind of got it right yeah. <laughs> he, can't fucking, he yeah. still can't let go of the fact that she's wearing a benetton sweater even after she's been kidnapped he's like he's like eh, like the, clearly these these people must be able to understand what a bet right I, I couldn't tell you what a Benetton sweater looks like. I, I wouldn't be able to. I know what a members only jacket looks like, but that's only because, you know, I was, you know, 14 when this movie came out. And that's exactly the right age to know what a members only jacket is in 1997. Yeah. Yes. Well, but I, it's highlighting the importance of brands to that class. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Even and, though it's and, stupid, it makes no sense in the moment. Like, like he should but drop it. it. And, no, and, and that he wouldn't, the, the other people in the room also wouldn't know what that is if the bartender didn't. Right. Like, that's right. why it's written beautifully. Right. It's such a, you're right, Kurt. It's such a good detail where like it is signaling that this man cares about the fact yeah. that he is wearing a, you know, a fucking Latigre shirt or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> and that his wife is wearing a Benetton sweater. And he knows the names of those brands because those are important class signifiers for mm-hmm. him. And that he wouldn't understand that a sweaty red faced man behind <laughs> a counter at a diner in the middle of the fucking desert wouldn't know that. Right. Like it's, it's a throwaway line, but it's perfect. And yeah. it says so, so much about him and his worldview and the way that he interacts with like the goods that he consumes. And yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. You know, and like one of the funny things about this movie is that like the anxieties that it like casts in the first, like, you know, act is really around the fact that this otherwise very wealthy, very comfortable man who like has it very easy. Most of the time, like can't force working class service economy people to do what he wants yeah or the cop where it's like it's like he's talking to a cop who showed up at miraculously and instead of being calm and being like look officer i'm concerned by this he's acting like a like a goddamn maniac and yeah. it's like okay, okay you're trying to convince the cop that this person kidnapped your wife and is now pretending to not know you probably you should chill out and be like, look, can I talk to you in private? And he's like, why won't you do something? Why won't you arrest this man right now? And he's like, he's acting like an asshole. And it's like, clearly 
like not the way that you get a cop to do what you want as as wrong as that is that's clearly not the way that you get a cop to do what you want what you should do is do what the trucker does and act low-key and calm like you have it together um but he's just so amped up about like why aren't they doing what i want i don't understand and yeah it's it's perfect it it, it speaks to his relationship and his uh, his discomfort not just with the situation but with his surroundings at like at every level like he has he is completely incapable he has no chill he cannot he cannot turn it down and he has no clue that he even should turn it down for quite a while right it and it speaks to his interaction with the world around him right that he sort of moves about the world with the expectation that he will get what he wants and that there 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 doesn't need to be any sort of like mediating on his part in order to get what he wants Uh, there's aspects of that that he does early on in the film that seem like he's being a huge asshole that actually turn out to be smart like like an hour later for instance when he's like uh the the car probably just overheated I'm not going to accept the ride from the trucker to the truck stop five miles from now. I'm going to wait in the middle of the fucking desert with my broken down car. That's a terrible decision. And it is yeah. the only reason that he's not, you know, killed immediately. But it is yes. yeah. it, it is objectively a really bad decision to just wait in the middle of the desert and be like, no, no, no. no. I think that, I think the car will start working again. <laughs> It's it's funny too though because like you realize you know later on there's like the kind of hullabaloo between all of the all the kind of like redneck guys about JT Walsh's character kind of fucking up the initial plan which is just to get both of them in the car yeah. and then like off them yeah and he's the person who offers up like the explanation for why the car might not be working where he's like oh yeah these like these new guys you know like when they're when they're brand new uh, they overheat really quickly if you're riding them really hard. And it's like the line that convinces Kurt Russell to like kind of stick by and like, oh, maybe it'll turn on if I just like let it let it sit back yeah. for a little bit. And I, I don't know. I mean, there I don't know, know that there's much there, but uh, just the idea that like this guy can't help himself and like knows the answer to like what's <laughs> what's ailing the vehicle. <laughs> you I, know? I also liked how um, his his response is. uh what was I supposed to do? Chase him into the desert with a gun? It's like, well, kind of, yeah, you could have done that, actually, because there's, like, nobody around for five miles. Like, what, what's the downside? You're in the middle of the desert. Just just kill them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I, I have to say, um, but yeah, the, the early character work is so is so good in how it both, it, it builds on who the bad guys wind up being ultimately without giving away too much of, like how they fit into the plot. And like they do such a good job too with with casting doubt like in the hearts and minds of the viewer as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, JT Walsh when he first like shows up is, you know, in like a in a blue cap and uh, a, a denim jacket. And then later on like when he's confronted again with uh the police officer in tow by by Kurt Russell, He's got glasses this time. He's like wearing the jacket a little bit differently. Like he's like got it like buttoned up tighter. I'm not sure whether or not it's the same hat. I assume it is, but like it looks like it might not be. And there's just like ever so slightly like these like little tiny mm-hmm. aesthetic distinctions that make you think for a moment like, oh, we're we're kind of in like movie logic here. Like this could be a different person, even though it's being played by the same actor. Right. In the same way, when he gets to the bar later, um, and I, I have to think this was a, a deliberate choice. One of 
the actual kidnappers is in the bar. The guy with a beard who doesn't really have more than like one or two lines is in oh, the bar. Right. But there's also a couple extras who look like the other characters and like the sheriff. There's a guy who looks a lot like the sheriff, but isn't the sheriff mm-hmm. who's in the bar. Mm-hmm. And it seems credible when he's in the bar that that the, the whole bar could be in on it. And again, yes. one of the kidnappers is there. And it, it's like you hear somebody laughing. The people are assholes to him. The bartender is hostile. But it's like, well, no, but that could also just be like how they are. And it, it, and it turns out for the most part, that, that is how they are. They're just, they're just yeah. kind of assholes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, he's coming in hot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you go into any bar in my, you know, hometown, they're gonna fuck with you too, like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, completely. So, yeah. So it's that's that's completely believable. Um, and, and I think you know, I I was completely sold on the idea that like this was like an entire town of like psychos yes. that was like kidnapping people until yeah. like the end when it's revealed that it's it's you know this like core group that's actually doing it. But yeah, I I, I was. Um, really believing that, uh, and and the movie, and, you know, and obviously, it's like like you said, Kurt, the, the movie was like deliberately pointing you in that direction uh, as a sort of misdirection. What the hell are you doing, buddy? Well, I was trying to get you to pull over. Didn't you see me? Yeah. Well, <laughs> never mind. Listen, I, I'm looking for my wife. What? My wife. Where is she? How should I know where your wife is? I'm the guy with the jeep. He gave my wife a ride. You were supposed to drop her off at Bell's Diner. Not me. Sorry. Wait a minute. I mean, sorry. It's like a half an hour ago, for Christ's sake. You don't remember? Look, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've never seen you before in my life. What are you doing? So the reveal that it's kind of like a kidnapping extortion type of thing, that's it's a bit of a like, um, it's not not a letdown, but it's it's like it it makes it uh, grubbier than like just being a mysterious, like why did people kidnap my wife? You know I mean? Like if it's like Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's just over, you know what? $90,000. Like, you know, that's so for, for, for me, it actually made the movie darker because they're not just kidnappers, extortioners, they're serial killers. Yes. Yes. Um, Like, and and, yeah, I, I thought it was incredibly chilling when, um, they're in the barn and you see like hundreds of cameras that they've taken from tourists that they have presumably murdered. Um, yeah. and buried somewhere <laughs> somewhere i yeah. guess uh yeah uh, some kind of an award has to go to uh um the what, what's his name red something i i think the the like main kidnapper red guy. bar yeah yes. yeah red, yeah red, red bar, bar. <laughs> played um, by yeah that's jt walsh ha- has to go to jt walsh's wife for being like uh, completely oblivious <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! He yes. just didn't notice anything in the barn. Never goes in there when he's not home. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and then but then there's that. So uh, you know, uh, there's a in one of the clima- uh, climactic moments when uh, Kurt Russell has you know the the trucker all the rednecks um, they're sitting around a kitchen table with uh, J T Walsh's wife and uh, he has him at gunpoint and then uh, J T Walsh's son comes in who's like you know not even 10 i would say and um he has a, he pulls in turn pulls a gun on on uh uh um kurt russell and jt walsh starts saying you pull the trigger son you could just do it you could just do it. and then like the wife is like all surprised about all this but then all of a sudden she just goes do it and it was <laughs> yes. just like oh that my part, god that part rules even you know you totally get the mom's perspective at that point though because you know here here's some random guy bursting in saying oh your husband's a you know 
kidnapped my wife. And this is the first, like she's, she might've had inklings, I guess, but she's just like, Oh, well this would be a tidy way to clean it up. And I won't have to like blow up my life. Uh, you know, and you know, we'll just have to hide the, you know, Kurt Russell's body, but <laughs> that's all. Yeah. She's gaming it out in, in her own mind too. Yeah. Like she's, she's playing the cost benefit of like, what, what do I seek to lose right now? If I like watch my husband get blasted to like high hell. I think movies have trained us to respond right in a certain way. Like, and initially when she said do it, I did have that response of like, oh, she's also a bad guy. Right. And then immediately realized she isn't like, that's a very realistic response. If you put yourself in her shoes and then we see shortly thereafter that she isn't really a bad woman, right? Like she's, she's taken into the barn because they need to go get, uh, Kathleen Quinlan's character out of the fucking freezer that he put her in. And she's oh. like horrified to yeah. discover this. Like she doesn't want to open it, but she's like knows that she needs to. And, and you know, the bad guy's wife is, is not necessarily bad. And I like that this movie, same thing with the pocket knife. It, it just kind of complicates things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you like, the neat and tidy sort of like beats that you expect in a film like this in a TNT 1am thriller, <laughs> it subverts a lot of those expectations. And I don't know what about the way she says, do it made me second guess my initial response, but something about the way she says, do it made me second guess my initial response. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I really like a lot of the sort of genre fake outs that this movie does. Like, you mentioned the pocket knife already, Kurt, where it's like you you think it's kind of a MacGuffin of sorts or something, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we're introducing this so that it comes to play later on. And it just never does. Maybe it did in a different iteration of the script and was just like there. But, you know, we're, we're led to believe that the pocket knife will be substantive. Um, in, in that last act of the movie, there's also a part where like they... Uh, Kurt Russell and Kathleen Quinlan like have escaped and thrown everyone into, you know, the, the lower level, the basement of this like barn and are running to the pickup truck. And he opens the pickup truck door, reaches for the keys in the ignition, flips down like the, the sort of like sun covers and checks the glove box, like assuming like we'll find keys here, like you do in other movies yeah. and they're nowhere to be found. Um, and then my other favorite one, I think is right before that happens where, he is like at gunpoint forcing everybody into into the basement uh and jt walsh like turns around and is about to like give him like the what for and like give him like the kind of like bad guy speech and like yes you know the retort and he just like billy goat kicks him like down the <laughs> down the stairs and into the into the cellar to like shut the door on him yeah you, the fact that he was keeping her in a fucking uh, chest freezer is terrifying. Yep. Like the, the implications of that are just her- like horrendous. Like it's just so such a ratty, like serial killer thing to do. And it's just so gross. Well, and you know that he has used that freezer thusly before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 And the other thing for. that freaked me out was the fact that she was in that sort of like stowaway uh, like area in in the semi where yeah. like they pull her out at first and she's unconscious or maybe sort of playing playing possum but they think she's dead and they're like oh 
yeah, asphyxiation, carbon right. monoxide or whatever. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, I didn't even think about that. Right. They were so casual about it, too. Like, it wasn't like, I, I feel like in a different kind of movie, there'd be some guy going like, oh, how'd you let this happen? Oh, no. But, like, they were just like, eh, okay, we just got a barrier. Like, that's like, it was just yeah. so nonchalant. And, and to, you know what? I I was pretty sure that she was alive. But I wasn't one hundred percent sure. Yeah, for no, a moment I was like, was "Oh, alive. she might be dead." She like, might be dead. <laughs> that might be where this movie's going. And that was like to your point earlier, Kurt. Right? Like, we don't know what kind of thriller this is. Like, is the last act of this movie going to turn into like cold-blooded revenge because uh, he's been put through the ringer and his wife is now dead? And like the the, the callousness with which they talk about it just like exacerbates that feeling where they're like, Oh no. Yeah. Like the exhaust suffocated her. And then when they put her in the freezer, he even says the line where he's like, don't worry, sweetie. Like you'll only be in there for about, you know, maybe 10, 12 minutes. Like you might not even feel it, you know, like before the lights go out. So like it just, you know, just (laughs) don't worry about it. You're going to be dead soon. You absolutely would, by the way, suffocating really sucks. It's not, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. I found myself also like psychically terrorized by so many things that the film was just sort of leaving there for me. And then I took it further. Like it's this, it was this really strange feeling of, I would say it's a really thrilling feeling of not knowing where the movie is going and also being given a lot of like richness and detail in these exchanges and in these scenes that I used as fodder to like, terrorize myself as i was watching the movie yeah it's it's almost the emotional equivalent of the throwaway lines in star wars about you know i fought with your father (laughs) in the clone wars where it's like i don't need to explain what the clone wars are it's just meant to give you an impression this is the same thing where it's like we don't need to explain the the pocket knife doesn't have to be for anything like you know there's little bits of of theme and setting that don't have to pay off the the uh they never come back and show you if the sheriff is all right or did he die did he bleed out the road it's just like it's just a thing that your brain doesn't get to find out and so you're constantly like is it like what what happened with that guy i don't know something it it, it ends on like kind of a shitty note and you're like well is he alive is he dead i i don't know and the fact that you don't find out heightens your sense of just not really having a strong grip on what's going on like what are the stakes What's at stake? How dark yes. is the scenario? I I don't know. Much like Kurt Russell doesn't doesn't know. Like he doesn't know it, how how in over his head is he? He never knows at any part of the film. However, um, I will say that the moment that this film went from like uh, like like a, a a three star film to a four star film was exactly when um uh red whatever his name is uh gets back in his truck and drives the truck through the like through like uh, the trailer and, and then yes. starts trying to run them down that's when i was like oh boy oh i was clapping like a steel when that was yeah. going on i was like oh it's one of those films i see <laughs> that's when you realize that it has a stunt budget that you haven't really yeah. seen up until yes. then it's like oh there's a budget there's a stunt budget yeah. for smashing some shit and driving some, yeah. doing some vehicle stunts and oh man does it does it ex- uh, does it expend it yes the chase scene at the end is so so good like you're right the, the effects budget is there they use like some great miniatures at the end as we already mentioned and then like when jack knows where this car like flips over like it's a very visceral like physical kind of like car crash 
And you think that's going to be it when he's kind of like spinning around, like on like the the top of the car, and then it just blows up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, like we're doing that. This is the movie that we're doing now. Where is she? Fuck you. No, fuck you. You like that? How about this? Where is she? I don't know. Fuck you, don't know. You want me to stop? You really want me to stop? Because I'll bet this baby stops on a fucking dime! In 97, when the movie came out, the Washington Post critic Stephen Hunter wrote about this film and gave it like a pretty like B kind of grade. Uh, said that it was, you know, tense, that it was good, that everyone's all, all right in it, but that he was really, really disappointed in Kurt Russell's performance. And one of the things that he says explicitly about it is that the character Jeff does a lot of running around while making desperate faces, but he never projects a sense of deep rage. He never gets angry. I, I think he definitely does, as we already mentioned. But like yeah. one of the other one of the other things I was realizing as I was like reflecting on that frustration is that Kurt Russell's character never explicitly ends a life in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's never like he's never the impetus for any of the violence. Like, yeah, uh, like MC Ganey's character gets shot by the cop. Uh, the other two kind of redneck characters die uh, as a result of getting in car accidents while they're being chased. Mm-hmm. Even at the end, like when he pulls JT Walsh's character off of the top of the semi and like he falls off the bridge onto the rocks, the person who actually like you know, does like the finishing move is Kathleen Quinlan, <laughs> which is you great. Know, like she, which is so good, which yeah. is so rad. So yes. Good. It's so good. But I realized that there's like this kind of this interesting thing going on with like, I don't know if it's like intentional, like as like a comment on masculinity or about like that threshold, you know, of like being willing to like be violent, yeah. but something about like the comfort of his lifestyle and his like unwillingness to ever venture beyond that threshold and like actually get, violent to a certain Mm. extent like seems pretty clear when you start to evaluate it again and it's interesting that like of course the person who is like the most assaulted by all of this namely kathleen quinlan gets to land like the final blow Mm -hmm. Um, but but kurt russell never does he doesn't he doesn't do anything really i mean he does but he doesn't he doesn't ever go there and i'm not sure if the movie is trying to say anything about that or if it's even intentional if but see to me that is that is it's it would be a valid criticism or it, it, it is a valid observation that, 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 that he never gets mad, but it's asking for something that I think you don't actually want. and would make it a lesser film. If he got yep, mad, yep. he would be becoming the stereotypical Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, commando yeah. John matrix character. Right. But, but <laughs> it's like, he's not, he's not that guy. And if he got right. angry and got to win it, like that's, that is fundamentally cheapening like a thriller where he is weak and shitty and vulnerable. He's not, he, he's already really pushing credibility of what, you know, a shitty business guy would be able to to do when he's like climbing around underneath the 18 wheeler, yeah. which, which by the way was really fun. Like, <laughs> right. like as I was watching that, I was like, I feel like he could have found a better, I, I feel like he, he, he could have just kind of gotten comfortable where he was instead of doing the most dangerous thing possible. <laughs> Um, but, uh, just hang out. Yeah, but um, but but yeah, like like that would have made it a more traditional 
like early 90s mid 90s you know action thriller where you know the the husband stands up for his wife and blows away the bad guy um but it's like it it, it, it would have cheapened the film so mm. i get the criticism but i think it's 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 misplaced in this film and it's better that he remains kind of vulnerable and he doesn't really get to be the hero. Yes. Completely agree with you. Uh, yeah, that's a dumb take from that. Like Washington post. guy. I, I agree. I, I think that him getting mad would not only cheapen the film, but I also think that that's not, I think like the thing that we, we know sort of like stereotypically about like an upper middle class professional managerial type right is that there's always sort of this like plasticine plasticine cover of you know stability stability and manners that's like the thing that like neoliberalism and liberalism really in the 90s is often fetishizing it's like this this intense focus on morals and manners and like having the even hand like it's why everyone fucking loves you know joe biden or that we're supposed to right because he's more he's more presidential finger quotes so i actually think like his refusal or his inability to get mad is like really spot on for like who he is and who he's supposed to represent I think it works. I think it works for his character if you if you understand who he is and and where he's coming from. Yeah, and it's also it, it's it's also um it, it is a fundamentally uh liberal idea that you can get mad and that that helps you win. Also, right? Like kind of goes right. goes hand in hand with that where it's like, "Oh, well, I am I am watching this as the comfort, you know, as the comfortable PMC. But if I really, it's like um, uh, in the novel Snow Crash, there's a really wonderful paragraph, which is like, it's a sci-fi cyberpunk novel from like 1992, 1993, I think, where -hmm. um, it it says something to the effect of, you know, until they're 27, every man thinks that under the right circumstances, he could become the most badass motherfucker in the world. You know, if his wife was kidnapped, if he went off and trained at, you know, a monastery, if he really worked at it, he could be the he could be the biggest badass. Um, and, and it's really speaking to that, that that idea of it, it. This movie flies in the face of that, where it's like, no, at a certain point, he is just a shitty PMC guy and mm-hmm. getting mad doesn't give him superpowers. It, right. it, it is it, it is a fundamental acknowledgement of like being quote unquote right doesn't doesn't allow you to just automatically win and it i I love that this film avoids the easy answers like that there's so many there's so many easy answers that that it avoids like you already mentioned like they don't find the keys in the obvious spot they don't even find like you know the, the the huge obvious uh handgun Right, right, like, like you know, in the glove box. Right. There's yeah. so many easy <laughs> right. things that 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 they could have done. He could have credibly. Um, uh, oh, like, here's another example. When uh, it, it would have been very movie logic uh, when he's locking, you know, everyone up uh, up in the basement that he would just shoot uh, JT and just be like, "Boom, you're dead. I'm the good guy. I won." And like, it could have ended right there. 
and instead it does the more realistic but you know more complicated thing of being like well well no that's kind of like stupid movie logic i'm not gonna just murder yes. somebody i'm just gonna lock them mm-hmm. in the basement oh, at the same time also being like i need to lock up the kid and the mom in the, in the basement too <laughs> it's yes all, yeah. it's all very Aaron reasonable kept shouting he kept shouting at the screen just fucking shoot him like over and over shoot and over him. again. Why didn't you just shoot him? And I was like, he's not going to. Yeah, he's of, not, of course he, he's not. Nothing about this character has, has signaled to us that he is going to. Yeah. And I will just say, if we can pause here for a moment on Kurt Russell's experience because, or uh, on Kurt Russell's performance, because that is what the review was mentioning. So like, I fucking love Kurt Russell. I love Escape from New York. I love Big Trouble in Little China. Like I love Overboard. Like I fucking he's, he's even love fun in him. Stargate, like a really otherwise pretty bad movie. <laughs> but in all of those, uh, we're movies, friends, so agree to disagree. But, but oh boy. <laughs> we can hey, move we, on. We've, we've done on. an episode of the on. show. You know, we we we've, we can agree to disagree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't need to hash it out um, now. We'll leave that with a lie. So I love Kurt Russell. Kurt does not. It's totally fine. I. I think that the thing that <laughs> no, I, I think Kurt was saying he that that he like he likes uh, Stargate. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, was saying, saying I, like, I was saying that I like Stargate. I thought you were saying you hate Kurt Russell. No, Kurt Russell's no, no, that, amazing. No, Kurt Russell's no, terrific. You, no, no, likes, no, 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 Stargate, and I said it was a bad movie. Redacted, redacted. <laughs> I, I thought you were just being super cheeky and just like trying to like like put words <laughs> in my mouth and be like, oh, so so, so, wow. so this guy fucking yeah. sucks. <laughs> that's how much i love you kurt i was willing to overlook that oversight and just like keep going and be like well he's my friend i'm if gonna somebody, we're not burning this yeah, bridge if, off if, mic if, kurt said that the only reason this movie isn't a five star is because there's a woman in it <laughs> like wow man like Jesus, hey hey dude. hey hey there's two women and one of them has a conversation <laughs> with a toilet that isn't about a man um, yeah. that's so- true <laughs> It passes the Bechdel test. I'll be right with you. That is cowboy. a fe- that is a female toilet. So. Yes. Um. Anyways, so I love Kurt Russell. The thing that ties a lot of his performances and his characters in those movies together is that he's kind of this like swaggery, like swashbuckling, you know, charismatic type. He's cracking jokes while he's like doing backflips and whatever he's he's like kind of wacky and like a little bit mouthy and he gets to sort of like use dialogue and use dialogue to communicate lots about a character he notably does not say a whole fucking lot in this movie like he has long stretches in this film where he is just acting with his beautiful icy blue eyes (laughs) and nothing else right and Mm -hmm. and i think like what I appreciated so much about his performance in this film is how unlike the other characters in so many of his movies, this character is and like how much work he's still doing to, you know, show us that he's frustrated, that he's sort of impotent in all these ways. And, and he doesn't get to use his mouthiness. He doesn't get to use a shit ton of like funny kind of like, you know, tongue in cheek dialogue to keep us like along the ride with him. He's just like doing a lot of really intense, like desperate acting. And it's great. It mm-hmm. fully works. He does it credulous and like befuddled a lot. You know, like I, it's it's funny we brought up Star Wars kind of like organically, but I think like 
the two great incredulous befuddled like performances in movies that aren't like snark and irony poisoned are Harrison Ford in the original Star Wars A New Hope mm-hmm. where like watch it again and know that like he in real life is like what the fuck am I Despise. doing <laughs> you know yeah. that that like you know watching that movie and like every single you know every single frame of that movie that he's in he's like wincing and kind of like what like what are we talking about and and Kurt gets to do kind of the same thing in Big Trouble in Little China and Kurt does the exact opposite of that here you know kind of the more quiet more measured like distressed kind of character not unlike what Harrison Ford wound up doing uh, a, a decade earlier with Frantic mm, that's right the Roman Polanski movie where mm. a, another film that like you know opens in in you know kind of a, a terse tense way he goes and takes a shower he comes out and his wife is gone and the rest of the movie is them trying Yo, to figure out like, I didn't what even he's doing think about that movie but yeah. that has so many parallels to this film it definitely does I mean that movie granted you know has a more kind of like downtrodden and like despairing sort of way with with things not going according to plan at all um but yeah i mean kurt in this movie is just like he's he's really good mm-hmm. can, can we talk about uh we, we already mentioned kind of when it becomes clear that they have uh they have held some of their effects budget for the final scene i i want to talk a bit more about that final chase because it's yes, please it's fucking crazy right like it rocks. like it is oh, no, it rocks. is so much like the uh, so, so first of all um the, uh, the there were signs of this early on i i noticed during the sequence when um the rednecks are chasing kurt uh kind of up the mountain you could tell that they were good stunt drivers because they're really swinging out the back of that Jeep yes. and like drifting around like the corners. I was like, this is pre- pretty advanced stunt driving for, for, you know, PMC Kurt Russell, but it's cool. So <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine with that. It turns into like a nice little like Jeep ad there. Um, I did think it was funny. How <laughs> I said that Carly said. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that, th- that was like a little bit of a hint that there was going to be some more. And then, um, once they get on the highway and you get oh, oh okay you 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 get Billy in his like red uh I think it was like a firebird or something that he's he's chasing It him was with. indeed. Uh, and I was like all right this is this is pretty good. And then you get like I, I don't know what the other guy's car is. It's it, it, it's like a late 70s like Carter Malay's uh <laughs> era like kind of muscle car I, I, it, it like a boat sized one and it's that it's it's yes. the beardy guy that, you, that doesn't really get to say anything um i was like all right now there's two and then and then you get the semi ramming from the rear and i was like oh fuck this is like an action this turned into an action film this went from thriller to action full-on yes. action film yes. and then and then it was already mentioned when billy's car blows up is when you're like oh fuck like this is really going for it they saved that 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 is such a delightful experience where again it comes back to that that expectations where you're not sure if this is the sort of film where it's going to have like a full mad max sequence to it and it really does and it's so (laughs) exciting and it just it just it just doesn't stop from there for the last like 10 minutes of the film um literally anything could have happened there's a really long sequence where um the semi is trying to ram the car off the bridge it's fucking nuts like really exciting and cool Insane. and good and they, yeah it's so good it's so good everything about that is perfect i wish i could show 
like i don't even know who plant like i i guess it's some combination of the director and the producers they're trying to figure out like what are all the elements that this film needs to have and budget for? Like, I, I feel like it's a masterclass in like, look, like you, you don't need to tell the audience what they're going to be in for up front. They can be surprised by the existence of a, of a stunt shot or of an effects shot. And it's so much more effective than being like, don't worry, there's going to be a big laser battle at the end. And it's going to look like a, you know, like $150 million laser battle. That's what you're going to get. Um, like, right. like I was just as surprised by the ending of this film as if, you know, Superman had showed up and picked up a car and started throwing it. Like it, it totally, <laughs> it totally. changes genres effectively. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. It switches gears. If you will. <laughs> oh, Chris Woodward. Uh, yeah. You know, Ain't no thing. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that, like the ambitions of this movie, like far exceed like its budget and like the, the style of movie it's and i even know i even thought about this and uh you know kind of remarked to myself while we were watching the end of this movie where the semi is dangling over the edge of the bridge and kurt and jt walsh are kind of like uh climbing through the the vehicle and like eventually on top of it to like kind of like duke it out not unlike a much more expensive sequence in a film in 1997, which is the Jurassic Park, the Lost World, where the T Rexes take the uh, the like command center, like Humvee thing over the edge, mm-hmm. and Jeff Goldblum and and gang are like hanging, dangling over the edges, like the the gra- the the glass is cracking. Yeah, um, and I was like, it's. It's compelling watching a movie that probably costs like a third of that movie attempting something as ambitious as this particular scene and set up for a set piece. That mm. film also front loads that. That happens in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. It's probably like the first hour, but yes, it, it is like very early Maybe in the, the movie. Maybe the first like third something. something. But I, I would say that it... it it's like the midpoint, probably. Yeah. Whatever. It happens earlier <laughs> than it does in this film. It does. And, and I think, like, you know, going back to some of the earlier points that we've made, this film is so effective at ratcheting tension up without giving you a lot of bullshit, like, you know, cinematically, right? Like, that's that's unfair to say. It is doing a lot of work cin- cinematog- cinematographically. Sure. Um, but... But there aren't like you don't have these like wild explosions or like insane gunfights. It's a lot of like quiet like pauses and like just intense like, okay, now he's like crawling, you know, from like one part of the truck to another. Like there's not like a screaming match. (laughs) There's just like a ton of like really intense stuff. And then by the time you get this release at the end where you have this incredible car chase and there are all these explosions and then there's the semi pushing them off the bridge, like it's just done such a good job of like getting you there that it's all like a complete romp and just like a total release. And as you said, Kurt, like totally fun. And it didn't need to give you a, a, a bunch of expensive stuff in the beginning. And I... I'm it's it's just making me appreciate this film so much more because I don't know that I could have articulated that like while I was watching it. But upon reflection, like 
it really is pretty Spartan for the first like two thirds, maybe even like three quarters of the film. Yeah, it's like it's like four or five sets. It's not it's not a lot. Like it's like it's like outside in the desert, a bar, like like and a gas station, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I, I do all I, I do also want to say it, it is funny when you think about the logistics of that that final chase where it's like, why are they chasing down Kurt Russell? Well, because they don't want it to come to light what they have been doing right and the way that they are accomplishing this is by having a mad max car battle on a public <laughs> road surrounded by other <laughs> right. people and have leaving to like right. explosions and shit it's like it doesn't make any it doesn't make any logical sense but but what you know about the character it seems it's like okay fair like this guy's a fucking asshole <laughs> yeah. yes also made me opine for the days, which we get to swim around in quite a bit because of the focus of our show, when like all of GMC's portfolio, uh, a General Motors portfolio, like owned every single like fucking car in every movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in yeah. the 90s, I feel like it was like General Motors cars top to fucking bottom. And now it's like you get an action film and it's like Audis and Beamers and like all that stuff. Yeah, but which is which is so like, so unrealistic where it's like it, yes! it, it's and, and and they never they always seem more hesitant about having their cars destroyed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, completely. Mm -hmm. Completely. The Jeep ad thing was totally real for me. I was like this is an incredible endorsement for a Jeep Grand Cherokee, which is like the car of the mid mm -hmm. to late 90s, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. the, there's another cool. aspect about so the kind true. of throwback. It, it's not really a throwback because it, I want to say this is this is like an almost like an end of an era type film because past this point, you get, you do get films like this. You get kind of, you get films like, uh, like changing lanes or mm -hmm. like enemy of the state that are, are still kind of that, like that, like regular guy pushed to the extreme. You get a bit of those up to like the late tooth. I, I guess there's also like Arlington road and some other stuff like that. Like, like uh, mm. mid 2000 stuff. I, actually, maybe Arlington road is like 99. I, I, I don't remember, but regardless, um, this was a dying breed of film. And I was thinking about like, yep. what don't we get anymore? And the thing that we don't get is how average all the characters in this are. Um, like Kurt Russell and his wife are very boring characters, right? Like they're not, yeah. they're, they're, they're nobodies. You really mm -hmm. only get the full nobody who becomes a somebody in like a horror film, right? Like mm -hmm. that this kind of mid range thriller mostly now happens with like a, a cop, or some kind of like specialist like there's um the, the, there's been a bunch of thrillers uh lately in the last few years that are about like a cop or an ambulance driver it, it's it's not quite just like a regular boring person who's pushed into stuff yes um it's a little bit slicker and this like a film like this is kind of a little bit shoddy and the characters are a little bit shittier and it genuinely mm -hmm. raises the stakes. Like, and even yep. though they're doing action star stuff in this, they they don't feel like they're action stars in an action movie. They still kind of feel overmatched and helpless and and stupid right. in a way that I feel like you don't get anymore. And I really miss that in films. And I would love to see that come back. It's like the exceptionalism that we're given so like handedly all the time now, where like every character that's you know, a protagonist in some sort story is special in some way. And so we're really assured in their competence from the get go. 
And in this case, you're right. They're regular. And so we don't know if they're going to pull it off, whatever it is. And that's true of both the bad guys and the good guys in this film. Yeah, that's a beautiful point. And they really dress down the the like the movie star in this. They really dress Mm -hmm. down Kurt Russell to to look like a schmo. He doesn't Mm -hmm. he's not you know, he's not well dressed. He's not driving a super nice car. He's driving like a nice new car, but it's not like a, you know, it's not like a fancy new car. They're not dropping right. hints early on. Like, Oh, you know, he's, he's not. Okay. If they made this film now, there would be some bit about him doing Mai Tai or, so, or, or something, you know, or doing like, <laughs> like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or being like a game. Yes. There would be some aspect that explains how he is able to do this. And totally. this doesn't have that. He's just a guy. He's a guy. He's the fucking guy that does stuff. Um, and it's 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 beautiful. Yes. We need more guys and gals, and, but not binary pals who just do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it kind of wild and also like maybe supporting our arguments that like none of us ever saw. And I frankly had never heard of this film until like we started talking about it in the DMs. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's like kind of remarkable. And I think it also just like speaks to the fact that this film is like doing something different than a lot of the other sort of films that are coming around in like the late 90s, particularly of this genre, and that it Mm -hmm. is doing something that, you know, felt a little bit more like it was hearkening back to uh, something from like the 80s or, or the early 90s. And so it it's. It's interesting to me that it it kind of went under the radar. And I yeah. don't know what it... Did you look up what it did at the box office? Uh, I think this one did fairly well. The critics were pretty nice to it. And it was a $36 million budget. It made $50 million. It had decent reviews. It's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, was, it was a relative success. And, you know, uh, the, the we were talking about the director-producer relationship. Dino De Laurentiis was the producer That's on this. That's right. So, like... I mean, the, the man, you know, has credits on, you know, 500 something films like over his career. The, he, he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Dune. And yeah, they did. <laughs> yes. Dune. The original <laughs> Dune. Yeah, exactly. I can't go one fucking conversation. <laughs> God forsaken word that's, being mentioned. That's, that's my fault, though, because I'm, I'm reading it right now, too. But it's fine. Uh, but I mean, this this movie does relatively well. Mostow follows it up in 2000 with U571, That's right. uh, which is like another like pretty solid, like kind of mid budget, solid, like action thriller. Granted, like a, a period piece, so like a, a slightly kind of more bloated budget. But he, I mean, even he, by like you know the early aughts, is operating with like a lot bigger. Like like he's the director of the third Terminator film of of T3. Um, not a terrible movie, you know, not, I mean, has it's certainly not scenes. has some good scenes. A yeah, scene totally. With like the chain gun in the cemetery, memorable, good, good. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and like one of the like bleaker endings in like a, a studio blockbuster in, you know, in recent memory. Um, yeah. But yeah, even he by, you know, the, the early aughts is, is playing around and dabbling in like much, much more expensive territory. Not these like mid budget, like kind of adult thrillers with, average people in them yeah i mean it just it doesn't really happen anymore and i think your point is is astute kurt that like 
anything that is this kind of movie is someone who's like not just a guy but like the guy who's like the best or like yeah. a guy who has like a job that would like qualify him for this it it it, it this is a very i i expected this film to have been adapted from like a 70s airport thriller um totally it, I just, I, it, it feels kind of like that it feels like a uh uh, a pulpier sort of like Elmore Leonard kind of yeah. Thing. This is like, yeah. yeah th- this is this is in the lineage of like Marathon Man or like Sleeping mm-hmm. Dogs or like it's 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 you know even like Three Days of the Condor almost it's in it's in that lineage yep. of the seventies thriller, which continued yeah. evolving until until like the nineties it kind of died out and you got a little bit like I I mentioned like Changing Lanes and like like Enemy of the State are like kind of to my mind where it where it ends as an evolutionary uh venue and so this is getting near to the end of it i I feel like it's kind of a movie that i I think if it came out a few years earlier probably would have been a bigger uh movie and also i mean also frankly like kurt Kurt russell was kind of entering into like the twilight of his you know of of his primary career you know he's kind of had like yes like like a secondary career as like you know old older Hollywood star, Kurt Russell. Um, yeah. But this is kind of towards the end of leading man, Kurt Russell kind of. So it's, right. there, there's a lot of stuff that feels like it's winding down here. Bring it back. That's all, that's all I'm saying. We, we need to go back. Return. 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 I, yes. We with, completely with a v agree. For we, the used to, we used to be a country, a proper <laughs> country. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it is. This does feel like kind of an elegy for this type of film. Like, it, it already feels like a throwback in like '97, and I, I'm glad that you know we're doing it and that it's getting you know the the kind of resurgence and reappraisal that it deserves with this new Blu-ray. On that Blu-ray, by the way, Chris, you have it. There's a uh, a commentary track with John Mostow and and Kurt Russell. Oh, that's to it? great! Oh I ha- fuck, <laughs> I have not listened to it. Um, but I, I've listened to. A- Kurt Russell on uh, some of the Carpenter movies that he's in, um, like the thing and stuff like that. And he, he's just hilarious. Cause he's, he's so just like, he's just the dude who's just like, Hey, yeah, that was fun. And like, he's, he's not <laughs> like, he's just, he, you know, it's very, um, especially with him and with Carpenter, because there's just, they're good buds. So it's, it's just like, you know, two buds hanging out, talking about their kids and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be checking out the commentary track, though. In any case, it was an excellent, excellent it recommendation. Was. It was Mr. very, Woodward. very, very well chosen. Uh, I think that about does it for us here on this episode. Uh, the movie, again, is Breakdown. Chris and Kurt from Parents Just Don't Understand, adjunct hosts of Potside <laughs> Picnic. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for very much for having Thanks us. Thanks for having on. us on again. It's been terrific. It's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, we already mentioned parents. We mentioned pod side. Uh, do you all have anything else going on anywhere else that uh, we should be aware of things happening? So I, I, I will just say we are acquiring an editor for uh, parents. Just just don't understand. I think we have acquired one successfully because we actually <gasps> we have a backlog of like four or five episodes that I've just <laughs> just haven't had the time to edit. <laughs> Um, and so we are finally just getting someone to edit it for us. So there should be four or five new episodes, including one that's like over a year old. Is it? Yeah. It's so exciting. It's, it's the Batman, uh, mask of the phantasm one. I don't, yes. I, 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 I'm beyond shame. I, I, 
I'm fully at the point of when I graduated college that like I had to go back to classes that I took an incomplete in like two years earlier and get them changed over. I'm fully in the <laughs> the my shame has maxed out and now has like waned, and so it's just like just gotta do it. So so fully releasing over a year old uh, episodes at this point. I don't care. I'll just blame it on on Corona. Um, yeah, uh, and like you know, fucking. Like capitalism and working. That's right. And that's right. And... That's right. It's so yeah. hard. It's so hard to it's podcasting so hard. is so hard. But no, it, it, it's it's. <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of new stuff coming out soon. I, I say I should say new stuff. Um, you can also check out uh, the online magazine Blood Knife at bloodknife.com and Patreon.com/slash/bloodknife. We have a Satan issue coming out in the next couple of weeks. That's my favorite. Satan is my favorite. Satan <laughs> is. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, that sounds awesome. We'll, t- we'll tell them, Mike. Uh, by any means, yeah. Listen to parents uh, and listen to all the new parents coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Podside, our friends over there, Carlo and, and this gang here, are a fantastic show. We've been on a couple times ourselves. Uh, subscribe to Blood Knife. Give them lots of money. Uh, lots of folks who have come on our show in the past. Uh, have been contributors to that fantastic online magazine uh, and they continue to do good work. Uh, you can follow us if you'd like at Hit Factory Pod. That's at uh, Instagram and Twitter. You can also support the show on patreon.com slash hitfactorypod. Shout out to our capitalist overlords, Linda and Jesse K. And we will catch you all the next time. Thanks, everyone. 